0: Picture this, it's a regular day, you're sitting around, you're chilling, you're watching Netflix, your partner walks in, tells you to go get up and go do something productive. They turn to you and say, why don't you take your car out and start picking up people's rubbish? At least you can probably make some money. You're waiting around bored, so you tell yourself, why not? One month later, you've made your first 10K. You're onto something here. Four months in, you're hitting 15K a month. Six months, 25K. Eight months, $50,000 a month. In less than two years, you're on track to generating 500,000 in annual revenue. And it's all from something as basic as picking up other people's rubbish. Then you meet someone who's built the same business to $2 million per year, and they've laid out the exact blueprint for you to follow, and you're off to the races. Well, that's exactly what happened to today's guest Miguel Contreras, the guy who's turned junk into his jackpot. Miguel's story isn't just about hauling away rubbish, This episode is packed with sales strategies, lessons on transitioning from a one-person business to a high-performing team, and most excitingly, Miguel's bulletproof first six-month junk removal business game plan to get you highly profitable from day one and on your way to taking advantage of this multi-million dollar opportunity. So if you're tired of your nine-to-five and itching to do something super simple, but mega profitable, Miguel's story is a playbook you won't wanna miss. This is the Salary to CEO podcast. I'm your host, Jake Richards, and you are listening to the show that sits down with experienced entrepreneurs and investors to uncover their secrets on how to launch, acquire, scale, and sell small or medium-sized businesses, SMBs, so that you too can make the leap from nine to five to small business owner. This episode is loaded with practical battle-tested wisdom. Miguel really knows what he's talking about and he's got out in the field and he's done it. So let's not waste any time and get straight into it. Miguel Contreras, How you doing, man? You well?
1: Good, man. It's good to be here.
0: Yeah, man. My pleasure. My pleasure. We've been chatting on Twitter, and today in the SMB world, there's this real, like, boring businesses, a sexy kind of vibe. And I kind of look at it like you're like the Lionel Messi of boring businesses with junk removal. It's so boring, but yet so exciting. And that's what I'm really geeked to talk to you about today. Yeah, man, definitely. Seeing guys like yourself in a service space start profitable businesses from day one and scale them pretty quickly, it definitely catches my eye. So we're going to be digging into all of that today. And I'm just curious, like for the yeah. people that even me and everyone else that hasn't sort of come across you before. Explain to me a little bit about like who you are, where your business is at today, what sort of size we're talking, what trajectory, let's just dive into, yeah, Miguel and his junk removal business.
1: Yeah, definitely. Well, interesting enough, it was kind of accidental. I was applying for my real estate license and normally it takes a couple of days to get approved to take the exam, but for some reason it took five months. And after three months, my wife was like getting bored of watching me at home and I was getting bored of trying to find things to do at home. And so she was like, you have a truck and a trailer. Why don't you like offer people to move stuff for them or or something and so i just started looking online and just you know just googling and just looking into it and found out i had never heard the term junk removal at least i don't remember hearing it as a as a thing and i found this couple on in california sonoma strong hauling shout out to them who were making upwards of 50k a month which was just like what junk removal just the two of them solo, just hammering it out in a truck. They had some uh, a guy here and there, but just primarily just, just them two. So I was like, let me try it out. Slapped a logo together, a profile together, started month one. And it was so busy that I told my wife, there's something here. My wife and I, we ran an Airbnb business for a couple of years and then decided to pivot when we had our second child and things were starting to shift a little bit. And so I was looking to get into the real estate game and just landed on this. And I thought, wow, there's something here. It's a simple business, which I've realized how I I lack a lot of business skills. I did sales for 10 years, so I thought I could do this. And I thought, you know what? It's such a simple job that I can focus on learning actual business skills, spend my mental energy on that because there's not a lot of mental energy
0: other than Throwing
1: you know items into a dump truck and pushing a button to drop it off.
0: Right. So the fact that it was so simple, the fact that it didn't take much brain power, you could invest that mental energy into actually being able to yeah figure out how to even build and run a business, which is just like the can of worms which never stops. Right.
1: Yeah. That and scalability. I thought you know what I don't need to train guys for this.
0: It's been great because uh, as
1: I've needed additional guys, you know, it's very easy to just train them in one day, just give the basics of, you know, safety and things like that. But as I think of the future, I'm like, this is really what I need to spend my energy on marketing, systems, policies, procedures, culture building, which is what I'm really trying to, to work on now. And And, you know scaling from there.
0: Man, we're going to jump into all of that today because I think that's really exciting. I'm just curious before we move on from that point, how did you even find this couple? Was this just like, I'm imagining you're maybe late 20s at that point. You've got this real estate thing that's kind of just dragging on and you're looking for something to do. Are you exploring different options? Was it just like lucky you saw a a sponsored post on Instagram and then you're off and racing and all the things kind of fell into place? How did that work? Yeah. This is a year
1: ago, well, a year
0: and a half ago, last July. Okay. So it's very fresh.
1: Yeah. I don't know what I searched, but I just found this couple and I just started looking at their videos as I was thinking, okay, I'm going to run some ads and try to find some jobs online or post on Facebook. Yeah. As I was doing that, I found these guys and then I found the whole uh, junk removal community. And realized, wow, there's there's something here. It's and really started to, to hear the, the drum of boring businesses, which really, really interested me. I think uh, boring businesses are, are bringing sexy back. It's becoming a thing. And I'm glad because there's a lot of people that don't want to do this kind of work. There's just more, more opportunity.
0: 100%. So the lesson there then is if you find something, connect with the community because it's going to fast track your process. Because, like, as we've seen, one year and a half in, you're often running, like you said, you've seen something here. But I imagine without finding those people that are maybe one, two, 10, 100 steps ahead of you, then you're running into a lot of issues and stumbling blocks and just lack of clarity, right? I think once you have clarity, that's probably like the key thing.
1: Right, right. And just see, just seeing people that, it's, that you know, it's possible. I met a guy, I went to a conference, Junk Con is what it was called, Damn. <laughs> up in North Carolina. And I met a guy who was a pastor during COVID and lost his job. And within two years, he went from zero to two million dollars a year in revenue. He just same thing, kind of very similar to me. Just started within two years, he got to two million dollars in revenue. I met him, I saw him, I spoke to him, I picked his brain. I was like, wow, this is this is definitely confirming the thoughts that I had about how the simplicity of the actual job made it easy to to grow really fast. Spend that energy on
0: scaling. It's uh, it's like the four minute mile, right? Like once that perspective is open to you then you're like, okay, it's possible. Okay, what do I need? What do I actually need to do now in order to make that happen? Like, what was he doing? I'm curious from that conversation for someone that scaled quickly, did he pin it down to a couple of key things? Was there any memorable, I guess, tips in that conversation or things that you've then since taken and applied with what you're doing? Yeah,
1: absolutely. Two specific things that have helped me. The first is that he said, you have two options. You can either stay small and hyper profitable, or you can scale as fast as humanly possible because you wanna get out of the field. You wanna build an actual business that you mm. can either put on autopilot mm. or be able to sell for a multiple. Obviously, like staying small and hyper profitable, that, that can be good for some people, but if you get hurt, you're done. You know? Yeah. If you're not if you're not able to get on the field, keep us in risk. You've got to be forced to scale at some point, especially because it's it's really hard, you know, on your on your body. So You can only do it for so long. And so it's it's not sustainable. So I thought I'm going to grow as fast as humanly possible. He did all kinds of things. He sold his house, bought a compound for him, for his house and his trucks. And he just went all in. That was the first thing. The second thing was that he charged $150 minimum. Like if you call him to go to haul away a chair, he will charge you $150. He had a very, very good pitch, which would say something like, hey, good news is we could definitely help you out. The bad news is we have a minimum of $150. But if you have any other items that can fit our minimum, I uh, would be happy. And, you know, that has helped me close to a lot, more, a
0: lot more jobs, which I honestly hadn't thought about. Dude, such an upsell, right? Actually, I saw Homozy talk about something like this, uh, literally in a piece of content the other day. He was like, I can either sell you three shirts for $15 or I can sell you one shirt for $15 and two free. And they're the same economics behind it, but it's much more attractive psychologically. Yeah. I'm curious, where are you at now? Like, what's the current update one and a half years in to this business?
1: Yeah, it's very, it was very quick. So I started with a a dinky little utility trailer our first month. I think we did close to 10K. And then second, third, and fourth month, it was 12, 14, and we got to 15. Then we stayed at 15 for a little bit, like three months. And then we had a big boost. And from 15, we went to 25. And then I thought, oh, something weird happened. That was a weird month. That's not going to happen again. So we, I think mentally I capped myself and I dropped back down to 17K,
0: shot back out to 25, probably like six months ago. And we're on track to hit 50 this month. Damn, that's insane. Okay. So there's a few things to unpack there. One, it's all mental, right? Yeah. There's almost no difference between aiming high or aiming lower in some ways. Uh, Two, I'm curious what? Helped you break through that plateau. So you said, like, you know, we jumped up to 25, then I limited myself, We're back to 17. Then we're at 25, now we're at 50. Is this just the result of compounding effort and energy and client base? Or are there specific things that you've been doing to drive that aggressive growth in this space?
1: Yeah, definitely. So Alex Shermosy's like brilliant dude, man. I mean, if you've checked out some of his stuff, I am like testing out a lot of his uh theories. Sales, I, I did sales for 10 years. I'm 100% certain sales can get you to 100K. Actually, probably 200K if you have a couple of guys, no problem. But then you really need to start to add some psychological and like marketing. So like the mental thing that you mentioned with my guys, we at times get into a haggling face with our customers. But I tell my guys, I'd rather lose it than mentally let you or me or the whole company Lower our prices because then it's a lot harder to give a higher price if mentally you already lowered the the standard. So I'd rather lose a job than have my guys who are selling the jobs lose confidence on you know on our pricing. right now they're doing they're doing great. to that point, adding people. It's scary to say, okay, I'm gonna hire somebody and I have to pay their salary and, and then what happens if we don't get busy and all those questions but hiring somebody with a plan? is really what allowed us to go from 20 to 50 and just incentivizing them, you know, some of the profits.
0: How did you decide which kind of people in the business to hire? It sounds like you've gone for a bit of a hybrid. I heard you say something there where like someone's doing sales and they're also running a truck. How are you kind of approaching this and what's it currently look like? Yeah, so they do some, you know, the, the, the main guy who drives,
1: he, he does some physical work for sure, but his primary job is to sell the job. To interact with the customers. So I'm trying to get somebody who can close and somebody who's really friendly and really professional. I mentioned earlier sales can get you there, but it's sales and customer service can get you to 200K. And so I'm trying to just replicate that, you know, having guys who can sell and who can do great, great customer service so that we can charge the prices I'm charge. You know what, we bring a lot of value to the table. Those two, they, they do some physical work, they do sales, but I'm trying to also, boost our sales by creating a culture of sales. We're just doing that this week. Every week we're gonna start to have a theme because I've realized I'm asking my guys a lot, a lot from them, you know? And the only way to ask them for more things is to give them the tools to be able to do them. We were running Google ads. We are running Google ads. And I turned them off for a little bit because I realized that they were very expensive and close to not making money. And so I thought, man, I got to turn them off. But then I thought, okay, I'm getting leads, which is good. So all I need to do is make each stop more profitable. And so now I'm trying to ask my guys to not close, not just close the job, but at the beginning of the job to say, hey, Mr. Customer, we're going to go, we're going to go ahead and get started. Do me a favor. If you think of any other items you want to get rid of today, now's the time to do it. So we're upselling them, right? Alex or Mosey's thing. yeah. yeah, yeah. We're trying to upsell them, but we're also going to the neighbors right next door. Hey, we're going to be here for 30 minutes. If you need me to move my truck, just let me know. Also, if you have any other item, any items you want to get rid of, now's the time to do it. So now each lead that's costing me whatever it's cost me, you know, close to a hundred bucks sometimes can be a lot more
0: profitable. Uh, and now we have profitable leads, which is, you know, problem solves. I love that, man. I love that. I, I, I did hear something. It might have been Minhamozi again. He was talking about um, at the start of anything new, like a new marketplace, whether that be Facebook ads, or whatever, just the fact that you've got the first mover advantage puts you in a place to kind of dominate. But sooner or later, It becomes more and more squeezed but all that means is that you need to actually monetize better on the back end meaning you need to be able to provide more value and therefore capture more value from that and that sounds like exactly what you're doing there but i mean the neighbors is a genius one is that just something that you brainstormed is that something you heard from somewhere else in the communities yeah i did sales i did sales for
1: a roofing company for a couple years since uh, door knocking was
0: yeah something we did and uh... Yeah. A little trick of the trade. Customer service can get you to 200K, you said. Two things. Is that just because you're upselling them on the spot and if you're doing it in a pleasant manner and a value-first manner, you're increasing the amount of each sale? But then is it also because are you seeing referrals, repeat business, this kind of thing? Like how, how does customer service get you to 200K?
1: Yeah. Well, I think customer service gets you to 200K by just being able to close the job and then getting you know you can ask for for google reviews yeah. the the whole upsell thing we're we're just starting to do that like as a, a couple of weeks ago so i'm hoping to get another 20 30 percent upsell on each on each stop but the customer service just really helps you to close the deal if you can become their friends my, you know i tell my guys like hey just make friends with them and then you know yeah. it's smooth sailing from there so great customer service allows you to close then it also, it does
0: get you some repeat business. Uh, we don't have a lot of repeat business. It's the type of thing where it's like every now every now and then, yeah, that you do that kind of thing.
1: Yeah, we do have a few customers who are like calling us like almost every other week, but, mm. but not a lot of them. But it does allow you to close the job and that allows you to get a good reputation. I tell my guys, hey, look at them in the face and just say, hey, we're a new
0: company. This really helps us out. Would you mind leaving us some feedback? 100% human connection, right? Something that just came to my mind as you're saying was just the, the idea of, Maybe you've considered this, but the idea of partnerships. And I was thinking like, who else has these networks of people that you're trying to access? Like what other businesses are sharing these customers? And I was even thinking like removalist companies. So like local removalist companies, a lot of times when people move, they also do, that's when they're doing the clean out because they don't want to bring all the crap into the yeah. new house. Yeah, yeah, it's just yeah, an yeah. idea for you. I don't know. Maybe you've already yeah. considered it, but it could be a good way to leverage someone else's audience slash target market.
1: Yeah. I've been thinking about those things from Alex Mersey's uh, $100 million offers
0: book. Yeah, definitely on the line. That actually probably leads into something really interesting. It's just about how do you set the priorities, the strategy, the vision, the culture? There's a lot happening in a new business. You're one and a half years in. You've already outlasted. I think it's something like 80% of businesses something stupid like that in the first year, maybe 60, 80% no longer exists after one year. So brother, you've already outlasted that period. But with so much happening with new people coming on board, how are you structuring culture, strategy, tactics, sales tactics, customer service tactics, all these kind of things. How are you actually yeah. delivering that?
1: Yeah. Here recently, I realized how much self-awareness and environment awareness is like a superpower. Uh, aware of my own character, you know, where my, where my character strengths and weaknesses are, my knowledge, my skills. Take inventory of yourself and really be yeah. honest with yourself. And then environmental awareness, just in light of the inventory that you took of yourself, what does your environment look like? That allows you to realize, okay, what's wrong in the environment? And do I have the skills to deliver, to fix the problem? And so I think I have a good level of awareness of my environment. I think that's, that's helped quite a bit. And just identifying like, here's the pain point that we're dealing with. This is the the highest leverage thing we can do. And then asking myself, do I have that skill? So just to give you an Hmm. example, sales, And customer service zero to 200k no problem but beyond that to be consistent i could have stayed small and worked maybe three days and make 150 200k but then i wouldn't have the consistency to be able to hire somebody so i realized i need to have consistency and that's where i i realized i made a huge mistake i thought because i was good at sales i was going to be good at marketing and then i realized there's a whole science behind marketing and, and I realized I don't have, I had to be honest with myself, I said, I, I don't have that particular skill. Uh, not just the principles, but just like how to implement that on the internet. So I hired a company to help me out and to coach me. And so we're doing some of that right now. Again, self-awareness and then environmental aware, awareness, along with being proactive, right? Thinking two, two, three steps ahead. So like right now we're, we have two full-time guys and then a couple part-time guys, and I'm thinking, okay, customers are not going to get the same professionalism, friendliness, or sales ability that I have, unless I build a culture. So I can micromanage or I can build a culture. And I'm I'm deciding to go with building a culture. So I'm, I'm working on that right now.
0: And what does that actually look like, building a culture? Because I think that's something for the person that's sitting here today, listening, maybe they're going to the nine to five, they maybe are going to start with something that they can just do pretty lightweight themselves, like you've done, but then they're going to They have dreams like yourself. Like they want to scale something quickly. It's not just a side hustle. It's something that they want to turn into a real business. What have you found to help you in developing that culture? Were there any resources? Were there any key lessons or things that you started implementing in your business to drive that?
1: Yeah, I mean, I would say you know, read read as much as you possibly can on business. I've realized that even though I lack the skills, I lack a lot of skills in business. I have high level concepts. Like I understand at least at a high level. Okay, this is this is the problem. You know, I read about this, you know, as I run into things like I read about this, you know, a while, a while ago. Are you familiar with the pyramid of competence? Yeah, I've heard about it, but let's break it down if you can. Yeah. So the pyramid of competence says that you are subconsciously incompetent at any one thing, right? Which means that you don't know that you suck at something. You might not even know about the skill itself. You're completely unaware then you become consciously incompetent, which you know about the skill, but you, 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 know that you don't know, you don't know it. You don't have it. Then, then that leads you to become consciously competent, which means you have the skill, but you have to work hard at it. You do that long enough. You can become subconsciously competent. You're so good. You do it so much that you're, you're good at it without even trying. And so I would encourage anyone to just read as many books as you can on business because you're gonna run into these problems and you at least will have an idea of the problem that you're, that you're running into. And when it comes to building a culture, what I'm trying to do is realize I can't ask my guys anything that I'm not preparing them for or equipping them for. And so the way that I'm trying to do that, I have a plan to break down the categories and factors of what I think culture looks like that I'm trying to build. And then I'm gonna break them down into weekly or maybe two week periods. So like right now, I'm asking my guys to upsell. And so I'm this whole week, we're gonna focus on, on that. So at the beginning of the week, we had a meeting and we talked about, hey, here's what I see us doing. Here's uh, what upselling looks like and giving them you know a little bit of a talk about what, you know, what that looks like. And they're already doing some of that, but just solidifying then and com- really communicating the vision. That's the first thing. But then every day for two weeks, we're gonna, we're gonna hammer this. A five minute huddle before the beginning of the day, Hey, we're gonna upsell, we're gonna upsell. Maybe give them some some incentives. I'm hoping at the end of two weeks, they have done it enough to where it's something that they do. And so by, by culture, I mean, focusing more on identity. This is who we are, therefore, this is what we do. And we can apply that with safety, efficiency. We just tackle one
0: thing every week and hammer it for a few days until it becomes a habit. So you're basically identifying like the high level concepts and what you stand for. And then you kind of think about, okay, how can I bring it to life? And then you basically break it down into two week or one month chunks, say, we're focusing on this and applying the scientific method. You've got a hypothesis. You think this is going to deliver X result. Go out, test, measure, iterate, double down on the things that are working and then scrap the things that maybe or tweak the things that maybe not delivering as you'd expect. I'm really interested as well, because there's a key thing that you kind of talked about there in that space about personal awareness and and environmental awareness. You talked about how you thought you knew about marketing because you'd done sales, but then you When you started doing it, you started realizing, oh my God, there's a whole universe here that I'm not across. But you hired a company to coach you versus hired a company to execute that.
1: Yeah. I hired two companies. I hired one company to coach us, paid $6,000. And honestly, it wasn't great. I'm confident there's a lot of coaches that do a great job. And there's a lot of coaches that just kind of give you package the information for you. Yeah, Which I, you know, I, I had a high level understanding of it, but. You know, sometimes you just want somebody to walk you by the hand, hold you accountable, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I thought $6,000 was going to do that, but uh, it did not So it just forced <laughs> me to it just forced me to double down, read more Alex or Mosey. And then there's another guy from I believe from Australia. Um, Aubrey, it's Aubrey, I think is his name. Yeah. 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 Subi, I think his last name is. Subi, Aubrey Subi. Yeah. That's yeah. right. Yeah yes, yeah. yes. 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 Yeah. Yeah. You know, which is very, very, very similar. So just been digging into that and we're working on developing our avatars. Who are we talking to? We hired another company to do some of that. Well, another company that does a a lot for us. But one of the things they do is help us with our ads. And again, it's very generic, especially after reading Alex Hermosi and Aubrey Subi. It's like, man, this is just, I could have done this. Yeah. I could have done better, you know. So I think it's just, just actually doing the thing us putting, putting some effort into it, failing a little bit and and, and just iterating. Because my wife, she's like a superhero. You know, I, I'm, yeah. I'm good at seeing what needs to be done and maybe even having somewhat of a plan, but she's great at implementation. So
0: 100%. And it sounds like the, really the lesson there is there's not a silver bullet magic potion out there that's going to take you from X to Y. There's Once you've got the base level information down, Pat, it's a matter of executing. And therefore, the key thing is obviously the underlying skills, but then the execution system for actually bringing that to life. For me, I've used this book. It's amazing. If you haven't read it, the 12-week year. The whole concept is every year within a business or within life, the last couple of months are a mad rush to try and meet targets, right? So like it's like, boom, 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 we're trying to hit targets. And you set these like big, long list of goals. And at the start of the year, you're like, sure, you're like, I've got so much time. You kind of waste time. You're not focused. You're not directed in a in a single direction. And then you get to the end of the year and you're rushing like crazy. Or you get to the last few months of the year, you're nowhere near your goals and you just give up. You're like, okay, I'll do it next year, which I've been guilty of many times. The 12-week year, instead of a yearly cycle, you're in a 12-week cycle. And it's not just like quarterly goals. It's like, that's your year. So you set very concentrated goals, like one to three goals. And then you have underneath that, what are all the strategies and the tactics for achieving those? So what are all the keystone habits? All of the things that you need to do, all the one off activities, the weekly activities, the daily activities, outline all of those for one to three goals. And then because you've got all that outlined, you've got a measure of what a successful week looks like, you'll do all of these tasks. And therefore, at the end of the week, you've got an execution score. So then when you get to the end of your twelve weeks and you're like, have I achieved my goals? Yes, no. If yes, great. If no. That means that either is it, A, you had a bad plan. Well, if you've done all the things that you set out to do, your execution scores are high, maybe above 85%, well, then your plan needs improvement or you need more time. Mm -hmm. If not, it's just that you haven't actually done the plan, which is most of the time what the case is, right? We don't actually see the plan through and we think the plan sucks, but we're so good at tricking ourselves. If we don't keep account of everything, it's there's so many different areas that you can jump around to. And I'm guilty of it.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: It sounds like underpinning that culture is systems and processes, and that's something that you need as you're starting to build out your team. And when we talk about boring businesses, this is even the boring side of the boring businesses, Mm -hmm. but it's just like the thing that drives so much value. So how have you started approaching, as you brought more people on, the different things that underpin what you're doing? So maybe you started, you know, we're sending a few Facebook ads, we're getting emails, we're responding, and I just know I've got to go to these jobs at these times. Have you started to wind in systems and processes to get that kind of consistency of results or are you running it pretty lean with your standups in the morning and that kind of thing?
1: Yeah, systems and processes, I think about them in terms of efficiency. So I was talking to my wife about this yesterday, actually. Junk removal can be very profitable if you're small, there's not a lot to it. You know, you have some dump fees, you buy the equipment, but as you grow, obviously things are going to, you're adding factors, you're adding employees, so your overhead can grow. I think in terms of efficiency and profitability, as we grow, I was talking mm-hmm. to my wife and telling her, as we grow, what we want to do is we want to make the, the business leaner because as we grow, our profits are, are more likely to shrink. But as we implement more policy and procedures and make the business leaner and more efficient, then maybe we can balance that profit shrinking because we're just going to be more efficient. Like actually, like how do we actually do the job? So I was talking to one of my employees like, hey, we need an extra dolly in each truck. Little things like that that are very basic and very boring, but we really need to have an eye on. Mm. But then also like expenses, where do we cut expenses? And then Mm. having a system for upselling, which is right now, it's my main focus. When I did sales, I did sales for Verizon for like four years and I was like a top five performer. And one time I looked at my my returns, which we get chargebacks and I was like, oh my goodness, I had never looked at my returns. And there's just like a ton of them. And Mm. I told my managers, like, how am I supposed to look through all of these every month? Hundreds of little items if somebody bought a screen protector and returned it. And my manager was like, Miguel, listen, shut up. Don't focus on that. Just focus on selling more. That's the highest leverage thing you can do. All these little things, it's like, you won't even think about. And so that's kind of what I'm doing right now. Like right now, efficiency looks like selling more. If I sell more, then I can counteract some of the costs that are, that we're going to incur as we grow. And then... I have room, I have breathing room. I'm not gonna be as tight on my margins. And I have a lot more room and the funds to put into maybe an admin that can help me to really tweak some things that are gonna be able to help us reduce our costs and, and that kind of thing, so.
0: That's such an awesome piece of advice because particularly for someone like yourself, right? You're working in sales prior, working for a large organization, now you've gone out on your own. And like, that can be so overwhelming at the start because you're wearing so many different hats, You're trying to figure out what's going to drive growth. You're trying to just survive, let alone thrive, maybe at the start. Maybe that wasn't the case for you, but figuring out what are the few handful of things that drive the most difference and just silencing the noise around those and getting locked in on those few things is such a key lesson that I'm picking up from that story. It's kind of like a keystone habit. When you do a keystone habit, the rest of your day kind of flows and everything else kind of flows. If you can focus on getting those things right, the rest of things kind of flow a little bit better. And then sure, yeah, as you get a bit more scale, get a few more people in, you can start to attack some of those extra 1% gains here and there and pick them off one by one. But getting clear on those key things is definitely and ultimately sales, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, it really is. The rest is just icing on the cake. We can focus on other things. And really, I think really business is about creativity. really have to get creative about problem solving generating ideas and how to have a great, you know, culture so that people are happy to come work out, which was interesting. I recently had a couple conversations with a couple of, of my employees who were just telling me how, how happy they were to work for, which awesome. one guy was, said he almost didn't take the job. He was like, joke removal, like, I'm not going to do that. And now he's like, has such a good time. He's like, he, he has the best attitude of any of our employees. I've never seen him upset. Yeah, just a great guy. And, and I want to create a place where people are
0: happy to work you know, which is quite a task to create, to make people happy to be, to work in truck removal. 100%, it all comes down to the people. So on that, you mentioned it's a business that anyone could kind of pick up and do if they're interested. So maybe someone's listening today and they're going, oh, this sounds cool. This is accessible. I could maybe, I don't know, rent a truck and test this out or buy something cheap and start straight away. Maybe I've already got a truck that I could start doing this. What are the parts of this business that are going to trip people up maybe in those first six months, you know? Was there some mistakes early on that you made and lessons that you had to learn the hard way? If so, what were they? I think you have to have
1: an expectation of what it will actually look like. I have these two options in mind. Either you're going to stay small and profitable or you're going to suffer for, <laughs> for a couple of years because it has been a lot of work. You know, I got myself off of the field about a month ago. I wasn't going and doing jobs. But then I cranked up my ads and started getting so busy that now I'm locked to the office answering calls. So I <laughs> made a new problem for myself. Yesterday's solutions are today's problems, yep. right? Yeah, right. So now I have to fix this problem. I'm going to Mexico next month for a couple of weeks and I am like determined to not work. So I have to yeah. make it so that somebody else can. And that's, a, and that's ultimately what you want. So you have to have this these two options in mind. One, if this is kind of a side hustle that you do and you're willing to spend a year or two getting it stable, go for it. Or if you are willing to really just suck it up and hustle hard for a couple of years to grow and scale the business and get it to where at least you can step off of the field and maybe sell it or grow it or put it on autopilot, whatever it is that you wanna do, but it's gonna take a lot more time, effort, energy, resources, skills, knowledge, ability. Again, have self-awareness and environment awareness. Take inventory of your own skills. Because I feel like right now entrepreneurship—it's this goal that everybody should do. I kind of thought that for a while, but now I'm like, man, I don't know if everybody wants to do this. I like problem solving. I like the game. I I really do. But it's really difficult. If I didn't like it, this would suck. This would be so bad.
0: Just because the amount of problems that you're running into. Yeah. Yeah. If your if if your default mode is oh shit, this is terrible, rather than oh shit, okay, we've got an opportunity. Let's let's see how we can solve this and. Yeah.
1: right so if you're going into you know a business entrepreneurship because you hate your job find another job that you really love and enjoy but if you if you enjoy it if you have the edge if
0: you want to problem solve if you're creative you can handle stress well then it's the dream 100 percent. i'm with you man the key takeaway i'm getting out of that is just like be clear on the expectations and really really sick of what's involved know which way you want to take it whether that's kind of solo small scale and higher margins or you want to actually build and scale something here but to do that you need to be aware of how hard that is going to be what problems you're gonna have to solve and take inventory of the skill sets that you actually have and speaking of those skill sets I wanted to just quickly get your take on okay those sales expertise were there a couple of little gold nuggets of as it applies to junk removal or any industry really that you with your sales experience are implementing When you're having those calls because in my head i'm thinking okay the general trajectory is you run some ads people have a need they search it they come into contact with the ads they come into your funnel they're on the phone they already want you what you're telling me is you're not just order taking i guess because you charge high prices there's some sort of skill involved in order to do that so yeah is there a couple of key little nuggets that you're implementing with your skill set
1: yeah, become their friends. I think of my, my process all the way from when I, I pick up the phone, you know, thank you for calling Bros Bro Halling. This is Miguel. How can I help you today? I try to be, have a friendly tone. I'm becoming their friend. Before I say anything, I'm trying to say a joke, say whatever it is, you know, just mm. trying to become their friend. And I genuinely mean that. Yeah, we really care about people. We care about our customers. We care about our employees. So become their friend. That solves 90% of, of the problem. In order to charge the price that you, that you charge, you need to have a brand. You need to have your logos. You need to have your shirt. You need to be professional. You need to look like a multi-million dollar business. You really do. You can't show up with a with a beater truck and charge the prices that you want to charge. And so you need to, you need to be able to do that. I would, from the beginning, be willing to spend money. So if you're going to start, I would say start with some margin in your life. You need to have some savings. You need to have some money to put into it and be, really be committed and be serious because The more serious you are the more committed you are the more willing that you are to spend the money that really it's going to take to do some of this google ads are very expensive local service ads are expensive yelp expensive so just be willing to yeah to put what you know whatever resources necessary
0: it's actually leading into really nicely into my final question which is kind of like the key steps for someone that's looking to get involved in something like this for someone that's listened today they're like okay i can see myself doing what miguel's done I don't just hate my job. I actually want to get started in something, but I love the simplicity of junk removal and I can focus on just actually getting good at business. So far, what I've seen is based on your last response to that question was go serious from day one, and that means having some sort of base to go from. This is not you, you could potentially you know, start from nothing and do the ultimate bootstrapping, but realistically, it's going to suit you if you've got a little bit of money from the start to run ads, to look professional to deliver like a high quality experience and that's gonna require some thought. So I'm wondering um, if I'm coming to you right now, which very well I might be, and I'm saying to you, apart from those things that I've just identified, what else is in my first six months game plan to get this off the ground? Is there any steps that you would tell me to take in order to do that? Yeah, yeah. If you can start with margin, man, that's huge. Actually, that was one thing I was curious. What is at the top end, you're doing it yourself? And what is, you know, maybe you've got a team and obviously, that range is depending on some of that upselling we spoke about, the prices that you're charging, but what are good things to aim for in both of those kind of different models, whether it's solo or team-based?
1: Yeah. So I'll just kind of give you a rundown of our process. It, and this has been huge right now that I have two people on the field. So I have two trucks and two trailers on the, on the field, which has been super helpful because when customer calls, they try to get an estimate over the phone and you're, you're tempted to do that. But the moment you give a number, you're like, okay, let me call somebody else. And get more pricing you know mm. and hopefully you won't be the cheapest so unfortunately people can sometimes go based off a of price and get a crappy experience so what you want to do is get out on the field hi this is miguel say your introduction and when they say oh, i got a couch i got this i got I, I want taken away Ask them for their name address and as soon as they say their address or the city that they're located in, oh hey mr coast especially if you're new if you're new you have a lot of time you don't have a lot of jobs Mr. Customer, I'm going to be in the area later this afternoon or in a couple hours or whatever. Is it cool if I stop by and give you a quote when I get there? And if the price works for you, we can go ahead and take it on the spot. You want to get to the customer's house. That's a lot easier for me now because I'm in the Tampa Bay area and I have two guys and two different, oh, we have a crew five minutes away. Can they stop by and give you a quote? And my guy's close. But if you're starting from scratch, get out there, you know, just say, hey, I'm like 20 minutes away. Can I stop by real quick and give you a quote? If it works for you, we'll take it away on the spot. So answer the phone super professionally, try to get out to the job. When you get there, shake their hand, become their friend, talk about sports, whatever it is that you can become their friend. That's the biggest thing. The pricing is almost becomes a non-issue after that. Then just, you know, offer great service. You know, be super careful with their with their property. Don't break anything. The basics. Super, super basic. Follow up. If you get leads, if you're paying for leads, follow up. Especially in the beginning, if you don't have as many jobs, just follow up. But you will pretty quickly need some help. Systems, if you can't get a CRM, I use Workies. Shout out to Workies. They're, they're great.
0: Are they specific for junk removal or are they, are they multi-industry? They work with a lot of junk removal companies.
1: I think that right. you can use them for for anything.
0: That is such good advice about getting out in the field and getting to the customer as quickly as possible and not trying to do too much over the phone. And such good advice for a new person too. I feel like we've got so many nuggets out of this conversation and really it just goes to show that the junk removal part is just something you do but what you're really selling in all of this is just service and you're competing on service in order to justify Mm -hmm. that and so it sounds like this is really suited for someone who's people oriented that likes being around other around other people and likes just doing simple things executing them well then this junk removal industry is kind of perfect for those kind of people. So Mm -hmm. it's, it's actually shaped up really clear in my head, this conversation, potential opportunity, even for myself. Thank you for that. Yeah. Miguel, where can people find you if they want to get in contact with you? Like what's the best place are you creating content? I'm mainly on Twitter. I just started to jump on Twitter and, uh, and what's the, what's the handle
1: at Miguel 90 cont C O N T man. Awesome chatting today.
0: Thank you so much. Thank you so much, man. Appreciate it. It It's great talking with you. That's a wrap on our conversation with Miguel Contreras, the guy who stumbled into the multi-million dollar opportunity of rubbish removal, instantly saw the opportunity and doubled down to transform his life. All in under two years. Miguel's journey from a guy with a truck to the leader of a thriving small business is not just cool, it's packed with solid, down-to-earth advice that anyone can use. The big lessons that stuck with me were all around getting smart with sales and customer service. He dropped a bunch of practical wisdom any home service business owner can start implementing straight away. Whether it was quoting his jobs face to face versus over the phone to shortcut the price comparison trap. His script for picking up the neighbor's business. I mean, genius. He's already at one house. Why not check if the guys next door need anything hauled away too? This lifted the average order value, making him able to advertise more and win more jobs or even just a simple advice to become the customer's friend. Miguel's got this knack for customer service and sales. It's the driving force behind his booming success, and it's something we can all learn from. It's these little nuggets of wisdom that can turn a regular business into a customer's first choice. So guys, thanks for hanging out with us in this episode of the Salary to CEO podcast. If Miguel's story and his wisdom got you thinking or gave you a light bulb moment or two, why not be a legend and share it with someone who could use a little advice? If you've got five seconds, pull out your phone right now, hit share and send it over. You'll be helping me grow the show, which will allow me to get even more awesome guests like Miguel. I really appreciate the fact that you're just listening to the episodes. And if you were to share it, that would be awesome. Also, regardless, thank you so much and have an awesome day. We'll catch you on the next episode.